Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Capital Beach Podcast. My name is Derek Brockbank, and I'm pleased to be hosting this podcast as part of the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Quick introduction to me before we uh, start off with our podcast, and and I'll tell you a bit about what we're going to be discussing on today's show. I am the executive director of the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association. We are a 93-year-old organization of coastal practitioners. So we are uh, an association of the folks that build, maintain, and manage our nation's beaches, dunes, uh, coastal systems. And so we bring together industry partners, uh, communities, municipalities, uh, and academics and individuals who are responsible for for maintaining our nation's beaches. We work on both science and policy. Our mission statement is merging science and policy to protect, restore, and enhance our coastal systems. And I am our executive director based in Washington, D.C. And so one of my main roles is being the face of the organization in the nation's capital with Congress and with the administration and all the various federal agencies. And that brings me to uh, the topic of our podcast. The Capitol Beach is a podcast that is going to be bringing to you information about issues related to federal policy and federal process on our nation's great uh, shoreline and great coastline. Um, And so we'll be talking with uh, experts and decision makers and the people that are actually making the policies that influence and determine how our our nation's shoreline is managed. And on our kickoff episode today, we have perhaps one of the best possible guests we could have in Senator Tom Carper from the great state of Delaware, the first state of Delaware. And he'll be talking a little bit about his work and uh, the role of the Water Resources Development Act in the past Congress and looking ahead a little bit to the next Congress where we may be seeing some infrastructure legislation, maybe even climate work going on. So I'm really excited to have him as our first guest uh, and we'll talk to him and tell a bit more about what um, what some of these issues are. But first I want to thank our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Dune Doctors, uh, dunedoctors.com. Uh, they are a full service coastal restoration and dune restoration uh, company working with local landowners, local businesses, communities, local governments to build and restore and maintain dune systems that provide coastal resilience to the landowner or the community. They're really a great company. Uh, They've been a sponsor for American Shoreline Podcast Network for a few months now. And they've actually, I personally have uh, grown to like them. They are a sponsor of ASBPAs. They've attended our conference. I got to meet Frederic Barrasset, the the owner and operator of Dune Doctors, at our conference in Galveston just a couple months ago. And they really do some great work in in helping communities uh, restore a dune system. So go check them out. If you have issues related to coastal resilience, you want to build a dune system to help protect your property, you want to restore a dune system, check them out, dunedoctors.com. Other sponsor is TI Coastal, uh, TIcoastal.com. This is another uh, small firm that does really soup to nuts in terms of coastal restoration. They help build, manage, maintain uh, coastal systems, really based out of North Carolina. Um, Chris Gibson, I've had the pleasure of meeting a number of times at North Carolina Beach Inlet and Waterway Association. He always attends and presents and talks about some of the work that he's doing, and he really just has a, a great handle on how to maintain those North Carolina systems. Some of the you know toughest systems, uh, beach systems in the country to maintain. Uh, the Outer Banks are uh, uh, low-level, hurricane-prone, um, and 
Chris does a great job for those communities out there. So if you're interested in learning a bit more about him uh, and the work that he does and, and the work of TI Coastal, check out their website, ticoastal.com. And thanks again to both Dune Doctors and TI Coastal for being kickoff sponsors of the American Shoreline Podcast Network. And, and also, you know, from my personal perspective, good friends to American Shore and Beach Preservation Association too. So thanks to both of them. Okay, we are going to uh, kick off today's show. Uh, before we actually get a chance to sit down and talk with Senator Carper, I wanted to sort of provide a little introduction to who Senator Carper is, why I'm so excited to have him as a guest, and, and talk a little bit about uh, his role in Congress, and maybe give a little uh, tee up a little bit about the Water Resources Development Act, which is one of the issues we're going to be talking about. Um, but first, let, let me let me introduce Senator Carper. Um, Senator Carper is the senior senator from the state of Delaware. Uh, he was recently reelected to his fourth term as senator, so he will be entering his, I guess that makes it his, just finishing up his 18th year as a senator. Um, prior to that, he has served as a the governor of the state of Delaware and a representative from the state of Delaware, and has been a public servant for, well, not to age him or me, but he's been a public servant for longer than I've been alive. So um, just a true, a true champion of the state of Delaware. And uh, given how relatively small Delaware is, pretty much the whole state is near a coastline. And so uh, he has always been um, good on coastal issues. Um, you know, it's one of those states where if sea level rise is, is too much, the state noticeably shrinks. So um, has been a huge champion on on climate change issues too, and really look forward to hearing directly from the senator about some of his thoughts and opinions on this. Um, but beyond just his role as uh, the, the senior senator from the state of Delaware, he is also the ranking member on the Environment and Public Works Committee. Um, and the Environment and Public Works Committee, as many of you guys listening probably know, is a committee in the Senate that has jurisdiction, that has authority over all things environment and then also all things public works and infrastructure. So this is a really um, powerful committee, particularly for those of us who are interested in environmental and coastal issues, um, because it has oversight and authorization over everything from clean air, clean water, uh, coastal infrastructure to transportation infrastructure um, and issues involving you know, roads and bridges and, and even airports. Uh, so it's an important committee um, that addresses all of that. And the, the committee's role uh, as a, as a uh, congressional committee is really two large areas. And I think we might get into some of that on today's discussion. One is authorizing uh, policy. So that means they can develop and create laws and set policy and authorize funding for projects. Um, and they also have an oversight role. So uh, the Environment and Public Works Committee oversees a number of the environmental agencies in the US government. So they have oversight over the Environmental Protection Agency, and then sort of critical to the coastline, they have oversight over the Army Corps of Engineers Civil Works, which uh, authorize, which is the, um, the agency that builds and maintains many of our uh, coastlines and also many of our nation's waterways. So a really important committee for us. Um, I also mentioned that they, they provide uh, authorizing policy. They also authorize federal projects. So if you're looking to do a federal project, the Environment and Public Works Committee needs to pass legislation that allows the government to spend money on that. Now, critical to that point is it allows the government to spend money. It doesn't actually hold the purse strings. That's a separate committee, and hopefully later in the pod or some other podcast, we'll, we'll get a chance to talk to some appropriations committee members. Um, 
but really, before money can be spent, Congress needs to say, yes, this is a worthwhile project. And that's whether it's a, a road, a bridge, a, or, a, or a beach. Um, and so the Environment and Public Works Committee uh, can authorize beach projects um, at, with some federal money being spent on beach projects. Which leads me into my third point, um, and that is the Water Resources Development Act. One of the reasons we're talking to Senator Carper today is to hear a little bit about uh, what was included in the recent Water Resources Development Act. Um, And this is legislation uh, that both provides federal policy to direct and tell the Army Corps of Engineers how to operate, what to do, um, as well as authorizing specific projects, specific studies, um, investigations into how we can better maintain our nation's waterways, and that includes our nation's coastlines. Um, so this is a pretty important legislation for those of us that work on the coast. I mean, I would, I could probably argue right up there with um, with the actual appropriations, with the spending bills. It is the most important legislation to impact our nation's coastline. Uh, and it recently passed this fall uh, as part of a sort of broader infrastructure, water infrastructure package that also addressed drinking water and clean water issues. Um, but the Water Resources Development Act was part of that. And so um, Senator Carper had a, a huge uh, role in developing that. And so look forward to speaking with him about that. So um, again, thank you for joining us on our initial uh, Capitol Beach podcast. I think it should be a good one. I don't think you get much more of a uh, insight into uh, federal policy on coastal issues from coastal decision makers than talking about uh, the Water Resources Development Act with the uh, senator, one of the main senators who helped write the bill. Um, and certainly uh, Senator Carper, being from a coastal state of Delaware, has had a huge influence on this for a number of years and, and this year in particular. So um, with that, I think we will uh, turn to talk to the senator. And uh, we are here now with Senator Tom Carper from Delaware, who is the ranking member on the EPW committee and a longtime coastal champion. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Derek, thank you. I've enjoyed your music over the years. Now, actually, I, I was kidding you earlier. My all-time favorite, maybe my all-time favorite song in the world is a song called Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, which is not really, really was not a Derek, but uh, but the, uh, it's a made-up name. But it's just the greatest thing. When I saw that, I was on the, uh, the we're going to do this. Do you have like a like a musical theme song that? That, that I, I don't yet, but maybe I could pick podcast. up. Maybe I could you pick could up. Maybe Layla. borrow that. I There's a like, great long there's musical riff great on that. Coda, great yeah. piano coda. Yeah, I think I was born destined to be an Eric Clapton fan with uh, oh, that is such great, great music. Um, great. Well, uh, uh, again, thank you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Water Resources Development Act. Um, I'd love to ask you a bit about what you see coming up in terms of infrastructure and climate resilience, coastal resilience in, in the new Congress. Um, but before we really dive into the policy stuff, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about uh, about your coastal background. What um, what drives you? What, why do you care about the coast? And, and what do you see as sort of your role as a member of Congress in protecting and restoring our coastlines? Yeah. Uh, my sister and I were born in uh, Beckley, West Virginia. And we love going to the beaches of West Virginia <laughs> on mm. the coast. Uh-huh. <laughs> we actually later moved to uh, Danville and Roanoke, Virginia. Okay. And um, at the age, the tender age, I like 12 and 13, we, we didn't have a lot of money in our family, but uh, somehow we went to uh, Virginia Beach mm-hmm. for, not for a week or even, but, uh, and uh, it was the first time we'd ever been to the mm-hmm. ocean, and it was just 
just something we'll never forget. It was just incredibly uh, beautiful, moving, lovely. And later on, speaking of music, later on when I was a Navy ROTC midshipman at Ohio State, um, we had uh, part of our summer training at uh, Little Creek, Virginia, which is literally like 10 miles from where we went on a family vacation. And I slept out on Virginia Beach. That's had, great. Had, my, had our sleeping bags, and my best buddy from the Ohio State who's also a Navy Watson midshipman. We're going to be learning how to uh, 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 storm the beaches with the Marines. That was what our training was for that, for that time. And we also, we had like, we got there a day or two earlier, and we went to a concert by the Birds, mm. who at the time were like the best rock and roll band in the world. And a live concert, and we had not long hair, but... Uh, <laughs> it was not short, but uh, we knew they'd cut it off when we got there. And so we go to this concert, and we meet these two wonderful women, and we go out with them later on. And, and then we had, like, uh, the uh, arranged to, to see them, like, a week later when we had no hair. <laughs> and they had no interest in us. Oh, man. So my earliest beach memories are Virginia Beach, and uh, kind of a strange way of doing it. But... Uh, uh, my my parents later lived down in Clearwater, Florida. Oh, yeah, lovely beach on the Gulf and, Coast. And uh, we just loved it. I used to, I was a naval flight officer and uh, graduated from high state. I uh, went off to Pensacola to become a naval flight officer. And I remember driving down the beaches, those beautiful white beaches, mm-hmm. the Gulf Coast from um, uh, Pensacola to uh, Clearwater and just oohing and eyeing the whole way. It was just gorgeous. And then stationed in uh, Texas at Corpus Christi, Padre Island, yeah. and going to the beaches there and National, uh, and then San Diego. Coronado, and uh, and there's a navy all over the world, all over the Pacific and Southeast Asia, and everything. And saw beaches, Guam, and all kinds of places. So you got really the full so. the full range. I love your opening story about you know not having a lot of money, but still being able to take a beach vacation. We often talk about beaches being sort of that vacation that anyone in America can take. You know, if you go to Disney, it costs a fair amount to actually buy tickets, but. My wife and I are probably going to go to, to uh, Disney World. We, we used to go and take our boys. We're going to go just with the two of us right after Christmas. Nice. going to take the train, nice. go down to uh, uh, Florida and take our car on the auto train. Oh, yeah. And go to just just kind of like a, not a honeymoon or anything, but it'll, it's going to just be fun with the two of us. That'll be great. We'll be, the, kids, the kids and us will come out, I'm sure. Yeah. But and then we're going to stay at Vero Beach. Great. Another beach. another good beach. It's hard yes. to go to Florida without at least stopping at a beach somewhere, even mm-hmm. if you're going to Disney or Universal. Um, well, those great. beaches are, as you know, those beaches are threatened. And uh, we've had these uh, two reports from mm-hmm. uh, one through the UN and another through a, about 13 federal agencies established under law signed by George Herbert Walker Bush. It said every four years we want to uh, take a look and see how we're doing with respect to climate change, mm-hmm. global warming. And uh, the prognosis from both the UN report a month ago and the report from the 13 federal agencies about two weeks ago is um, um, frightening. It is. It's frightening. The, the sort of the bottom line is we don't have, you know, 10, 20 years to to, to make progress. If we're, if we're not careful, we're not going to have beaches in this country in another 50 years. Not even that. Not even that. Yep. So we have our work cut out for us. Absolutely, and I think uh, that means both addressing the the causes of climate change, but We've baked in a fair amount of climate change and sea level rise already, so we have to be thinking about how we maintain and restore our beaches in the face of, of inevitable sea level rise. Um, I like to say we have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. If we're, if we're in Delaware, we have 
probably three or four big uh, components of our economy. Uh, a major one is uh, tourism. Mm-hmm. And people come to Delaware because they like our beaches. We had at one time more five-star beaches than any state in America. It's impressive. And, uh, they really, and they're lovely beaches. And But they take a fair amount of maintenance, yep. beach and nourishment, replenishment, and doing work on our dunes. And as it turns out, we're not the only state. Like, there's a bunch of states up and down the East Coast that are in similar situations. But while it's important, I, every, I say this every time we complete, as we did this year, a major beach replenishment from Bethany Beach down to Fenwick Island, which is on the Maryland line. I said it's it's important for us to replenish our beach, beaches, make sure that our dune systems work to protect their coastal communities. But it's also important that we figure, we realize that there's a reason why uh, the the, sea, the seas are rising and the uh, the storms are getting worse. And we have to be able to address the root causes, as you said, the root causes, not just the symptoms of our problems. Um, well, we, don't, we don't address the root causes in our water, our water legislation. We, yeah. we, but that's uh, that's a, a, a very, very important. It's probably, probably the most important thing I'm working on right now. Well, that's terrific. And I, I do want to dive into sort of what's coming up next. Um, but maybe let's take a – you sort of pivoted to the water legislation that was passed earlier this fall. would love to talk to you a little bit about mm-hmm. um, the Water Resources Development Act, or, which was part of the – the broader water infrastructure package that you guys uh, passed in the uh, Senate and the House this year? Um, well, we did, in a bipartisan uh, way. It's sort of like a, a, cl- a classic uh, most example of how, how we can do business. Well, that, that was actually my first question. You know, I, I can't think of a more divided partisan Congress than we've seen in the past couple of years, and certainly in this year, and yet WERDA the Water Resource Development Act just seemed to be a hugely bipartisan, cordial bill. You guys passed it out of your committee, um, I think, unanimously. Uh, passed the Senate, I think, 99 to 1. Mm-hmm. Passed the House um, unanimously. unanimously. Yeah. So what's what's the secret? What's your what's your, uh, what's your your secret sauce? Uh, Joe Biden uh, was a senator for many years, and he and I are close, close friends. And uh, he used to say that diplomacy, all diplomacy, is personal. Mm-hmm. All diplomacy. He was the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. And uh, he's all, I've also heard him say many times, all politics is personal. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that, um, you know, the Army Corps, the, uh, the Department of the Army includes a, a bunch of branches, but one of them is the Army Corps of Engineers, which is responsible for, among other things, about, nine, I think, 99% of the waterways in, that lead into our harbors where mm-hmm. so much of our cargo and, and goods move, coming and going. But the... Uh, this guy named uh, Ricky James Dale, and he's his brand new, uh, not brand new, this is his first year to be the uh, uh, Ricky Dale James. Did I have that right? Yeah, Ricky Dale James. I, I, they call him RD. But he's the Assistant Secretary of the Navy for uh, um, uh, Civil Engineering. Yep. When he, he got it, uh, uh, nominated earlier this year, and I got to know him personally mm-hmm. and to work with him. My staff worked with him through the nominating uh, process. Um, he was confirmed, ultimately passed through our committee unanimously, went through the, 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 the full Senate uh, very well. First, uh, his first couple of weeks on the job, we invited him to come to Delaware to visit the, uh, the, the our part of the, uh, the, the coast. He's from the um, uh, Sort of the southern, southeastern part of the country, but not along the beaches. Right. But just to acquaint him to to mm-hmm. the beaches and and uh, have um, have him get a, a taste of what it's like to, to live on on the east coast. Sure. The uh, that personal touch, and getting him uh, to know him personally, for him to get to know us, to actually see and observe personally what uh, the, the work that needs to be done, the work has been done, and how we can maybe do it in a more cost-effective way was hugely important. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just at the end of the day, a senator from Delaware, that's me, the senior Democrat on the committee, working with the chairman of the committee, who's from Wyoming, right, 
Yeah, right. yeah, the Chairman beaches Barraza. of Wyoming <laughs> are memorable, I'm sure. <laughs> but but uh, he and I uh, uh, work uh, together uh, on a lot of issues. And he may not have cons- been as much interested in the beach uh, provisions of the of the uh, Water Resources Development Act, but he cared a lot about the uh, clean drinking water provisions mm-hmm. and the wa- wastewater mm-hmm. sanitation provisions. So um, the, the so the three of us, John Brasso, the chairman. Um, uh, Artie James, the mm-hmm. secretary, assistant secretary, and, and yours truly, kind of all, did, we did this together. Yep. Our staffs worked very well together. And what happens is when you have um, the uh, the principals in this case, the chairman of the committee, the senior Democrat on the committee, and the top person from the administration that said, let's do this together, let's work together, amazing things can happen, and that's what happened. That's great. I and mean, you mentioned uh, Barasa is from Wyoming, Artie James is from sort of southeastern uh, U.S. Did, did they sort of defer to you as an expert on coastal issues, or did it was it fully a collaborative process throughout? No, they, they deferred to my staff. Okay. <laughs> People say to me, they say, what is the secret for your success? I've been uh, elected statewide office in Delaware 14 times, which I'm told is a record, and the treasurer, congressman, governor, senator, and uh, I have... Uh, People say, why have I had some success? I always say, I picked the right parents. Uh, not a lot of money, West Virginia, coal mining uh-huh. town, uh, hard work, uh, good values, and deep faith. And uh, when I was in the Navy, uh, one of the most important lessons that I learned, uh, I learned a lot about leadership in the Navy. I was a retired Navy captain, but one of the things I learned in the Navy was to always surround myself with the best people I could find, and I've always done that. And I've done that in this case. There's a guy named John Kane, K-N-E, who's been the top staff person on this, works as a senior member of our staff on the Environment and Public Works Committee, knows the hill, he's worked for senators like, oh gosh, Susan Collins up in Maine, and uh, and so he knows uh, people on both sides of the aisle. He is a very hard worker, but a, a key part of this is is um, is the uh, just great staff work that we yeah. have. Yeah, and I've, I've had the pleasure of working with your staff, and they are truly, really credible, really smart, really dedicated. Um, John has been just tremendous in working with us, uh, and I know there's both the Republican and the Democratic side have had uh, detailees from the Army Corps of Engineers who are just knowledgeable and insightful on core policy, mm-hmm. and I think they've been really helpful too, at least in my yeah. my experience as a I, I've always said my, one of the keys to my success is I surround myself with people smarter than me. <laughs> my wife says it's not hard to find them. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's great. I want to dig into a little bit of policy while we can, um, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to sort of lob a softball to you here, which is um, what uh, what is in word of this year that's good for coastal communities? Why should a, someone who's sitting out there in, in Bethany Beach or in, I don't know, Folly Beach, South Carolina, or in San Diego, why should they why should they be excited about the fact that uh, word a, a water infrastructure bill passed this year? I, I forget. I may have the, uh, the percentages on this uh, off a little bit. But uh, well over half the people in our country live within about 75 miles of one of our coasts. And people love to go to our beaches. People love to come here as tourists to, uh, from other countries to come to to our, uh, our our beaches. It's a big part of our economy in in um, in Delaware. The when we replenish beaches in Delaware, we it's a we do it on a cost sharing basis. The uh, federal government provides about 65 percent of the funding. The state and locals uh, provide about 35 percent of the funding. And we have we face huge budget deficits at the federal huge budget deficits, and it's uh, we ought to be kind of more deeply concerned about that than we are. Uh, and uh, I, I plan to spend. I just got reelected. I, I plan to spend the next six years making sure that we do everything we can to, to get better results, more cost effectively. And one of the provisions here, one of the things that I especially liked about our bill, 
that uh, that we focused on is if uh, if we have like in Delaware we have maybe five or six beaches between Lewis Delaware first state in the first uh, first uh, uh, first town in the first state it's about 25 miles from Lewis down to the um, uh, border of, with the Maryland and uh, to, to the extent that we can lump all those uh, beach replenishment projects together and bid mm-hmm. them out under a single contract and do them all at once. Mm-hmm. It's a very substantial savings in money. We save federal money, we save state uh, money. That's the kind of thing that uh, most people aren't, aren't aware of. But it, to the extent we can do that on beach contracts from Maine down to Florida, there's a huge amount of money to be saved, not just for the federal government, for the states as well. And I think interesting about that provision is it, it, it's really encouraging and in some ways almost forcing different uh, districts of the Army Corps to work together, right? So Maryland is largely under the Baltimore district. Mm-hmm. Um, Delaware is is typically more under, I believe, the Philadelphia district. So it gets the Maryland and How Philadelphia you know district. This is what I do for a living. I need to know the core things. So, um, so yeah, really, you know, that's that seems like a good provision. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I know some of the bigger uh, things that you were uh, pushing in the Water Resource Development Act. Um, this does get a little bit into the weeds of of policy, but is changes to the benefit cost ratio. And, and for our listeners out there, many of whom probably know, but the benefit cost ratio is how Army Corps and ultimately the Office of Management and Budget determine which projects get funded. If you if you create a lot of benefit benefit uh, for a low amount of cost, you're more likely to get funded. Um, but we have had concerns, and I think it's been shared with, you guys have shared, um, that perhaps not all of the benefits are being included in coastal projects. So if it's a, a beach project, it's typically a, a flood risk management, so you're determining the benefits for flood risk, um, but it hasn't always included the recreation value or the ecological value. And I know there's some um, changes that you guys have been pushing for that. Uh, I think there was some increase in, in transparency. Uh, local communities have an opportunity to see where, um, see how those benefit cost ratios are calculated, see what um, the core and LMB are considering in that. So I think those are some nice first steps. Um, uh, similarly, there were some changes around the way the core budgeting process works um, that increased transparency. So a, a number of good sort of incremental steps in those areas. Um, however, there were some major studies that were authorized. Um, you guys included a studies for How do you know all this? John Kane, the same way you know all this, probably. Uh, you're, John Kane, on the, the, um, your staffer, has been just a tremendous asset to us in terms of communicating all this. Anyway, I want to talk, it was, it was interesting your take on, on some of the studies. Um, how do a National Academy study or a, a GAO, a Government Accountability Office study, how do they inform the process and, and sort of what do you hope to, what do you hope to glean from some of these studies that might influence Word of 2020 or Word of 2022. Any thoughts on that? We uh, we uh, just f- finished up uh, our legislative session hours before we started this interview. We were up very late last night, but uh, in uh, in the legislation that we pass, uh, uh, people are trying to get all kinds of things done, and in the end of the day, they're not successful in getting a, a particular legislative achievement that they had sought. Mm-hmm. And what they will accept in the interim is a study. Mm-hmm. And that was like, so it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a SOP in, in money cases. It's like, well, you're not going to get your X, Y, or Z, but we're going to do, we'll do a study on this. And so somebody does a study, the study comes back, it's put on a shelf. And, uh, and there's 
shelves of Congress are lined with studies mm-hmm. that were sort of used as a way to find a compromise. I think the best, uh, what we hope to do with uh, with these studies is actually use them as a, as a way to 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 direct our. Uh, uh, actions in the future. Uh, I'm a big believer in oversight. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in, I, I, I'm not the chairman of the committee, I used to be chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, but I'm the senior Democrat on Environment and Public Works, and we have a great working relationship with the chairman. And what we'll be asking for is oversight hearings. Mm-hmm. And we'll be inviting um, and Tony Pratt, who's, who's I think your president, he's the president of the president of the, American Shore and Beach Preservation. Yeah, I like to say he's my president. He's all he's our presidents. <laughs> 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 but uh, we'll probably invite him to come in Great. and uh, and uh, and other people who are looking for some music will invite you Derek to uh, to come in and, and uh, to hear what we but but the idea would be to do uh, uh, not to take a study and just say oh we'll park it over here we'll let our staff look at it no 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 let's do a hearing mm-hmm. let's do a bipartisan hearing let's talk with the house about it try to encourage them to do the same sort of thing and see to, to see if what we can learn from the hearing I'm a big I mentioned earlier budget deficits we have uh, we have a deficit this year federal deficit is 850 billion dollars 850 billion next year is going to be closer to a trillion dollars and uh, we, it's just un, unsustainable. So part of what I hope to do from, from uh, the, the two studies that you mentioned uh, is find out how do we get a better result, just like I talked about earlier, lumping the beaches together mm-hmm. in a, one geographical area and be able to get one bid, one mm-hmm. contract, and knock them out at once, that kind of thing. Uh, you mentioned GIO, Government Accountability Office. Not everybody knows what GIO does. GIO is a watchdog mm-hmm. for us. Part of the, it's actually an extension of the Congress, but every two years uh, they come out with a... Uh, a list they call it uh, high risk list high risk ways of wasting money and they'll come out with that risk that list in uh, February and uh, we will uh, they've had in the past replenish beach replenishment Mm -hmm. as a way of wasting money Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why we've made this change in the legislation I talked about and the way we contract out for beach replenishment is to reduce that that waste and get a better result for less money so I again oversight hearings bipartisan House and Senate and it's as it's, it's brilliant as our staff are that members have to be involved as, as, yep. as well and this is a way to get them involved yep. and perhaps one thing I should have said when we started talking about the Water Resources Development Act is is sort of to commend you and 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 the chairman on making sure this has gone back to being a two-year cycle my my sort of history is that where it used to be a regularly passed bill and then there was a, a period sort of in the early 2000s where it passed I think we went seven years seven years of that one but this is this is the third uh, third Congress in a row that a word has been passed, which I think is just a tremendous um, benefit to society. We can continue to do water infrastructure projects. New water infrastructure projects can get authorized. Um, and a real credit to you and your committee. Um, and so I think that, at least for me, that gives me hope that some of these studies aren't just going to sit on the shelf because it's not like, well, we don't know when we're going to pass a word again. There's an expectation that most likely in 2020 there will be a, a water resources development act and we can you know build upon some of the lessons learned in these studies so I yeah, that's that's a good point and I, I, I the credit's not mine at the credit but Jim Inhoff, who's our senior uh, was our he's a senior Republican on the committee and previously the chairman of the committee the uh, uh, he's uh, he's one who also believes we should do water resource development mm-hmm. authorization every two years, and uh, Ben Cardin mm-hmm. from Maryland, who's our uh, senior Democrat on the in, we have a subcommittee called uh, uh, transportation and, and, and infrastructure. He's a he's a big believer in doing yep. it on a regular basis. Yep. So and the tradition of our committee is we kind of like each other, 
and uh, we uh, we get along. It's sort of unusual because on the on the Democratic side, we're a lot of us on the East Coast, mm -hmm. and a lot of us care hugely about climate change, global warming, mm -hmm. uh, extreme weather, and then we have a bunch of the Republicans. Many are from the middle part of the country, mm -hmm. the west west coast of the country. So geographically, we're different, and philosophically, we're different, but we just work together, yeah. which is amazing. I think it's a credit to the leadership. Let's. You, you mentioned sort of climate change and, and what's moving forward. Um, I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts and as you move into 2019. I've certainly there's certainly a lot of buzz about a new infrastructure package. I think sort of bipartisan support for that. Uh, I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts on the appetite for that. And then I guess specifically for our coastal listeners, what's the likelihood of getting more? water infrastructure legislation, more support for coastal infrastructure uh, going into the new Congress? Mm. We, uh, uh, I, 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 can, I, can, I can go in a couple different directions with this. I, let, me, let me just say this. If uh, I, I gave a speech on the Senate floor yesterday, Ed Markey and Jeff Markley from Oregon, um, Ed Markey from Massachusetts and I together, um, and I think Bill Nelson joined us from, from, from mm -hmm. Florida, and the, the focus was, uh, if um, the unanimous views and policies that were gathered by 13 major federal agencies and they're from from NOAA to EPA to you name it, Department of Energy, if they're even close to being right, if we're not careful, 80 years from now, we're not going to have beaches, mm -hmm. or we're, we're going to have we won't, we won't be having. Uh, um, sailing regattas off of uh, the coast of Delaware, we'll be having them in Dover, Delaware. <laughs> and, uh, but the, uh, we're looking at six feet of uh, uh, sea level rise. Mm -hmm. This is what, and this is not me, this is not some right-wing crazy group or left-wing crazy group that's saying all this. It's some of the most brilliant scientists in the right. world. Right. Uh, our friends at the United Nations have a, a commission, they just came out with a report, some report, they both validate the same thing. And uh, we, uh, if we continue just to rely on fossil fuels and ever more fossil fuels, as opposed to uh, um, finding, te developing technologies and, and launching technologies that actually suck carbon out of the air and, and move away from fuel, gasoline-powered, diesel-powered vehicles uh, so that we can um, get, get a handle on the carbon, we're doomed. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, mm -hmm. a guy who's used a lot of hyperbole. We are doomed. And uh, so, for for me, the, my my the water is important. Water research development is important. What is really most important is that we work with the rest of the world mm -hmm. and reduce the, the amount of carbon that we're emitting and find ways to suck it in. In some cases, uh, turn it into to products that can that won't be destabilizing to us. So, looking at the the committee makeup, you've got some tremendous climate advocates, really, and, and on the Environment and Public Works Committee. I mean, s starting with you, but certainly Senator Markey has been a huge champ. The uh, great Sheldon Wise is terrific. We have, there, we're just, which is a heavyweight uh, uh, committee. So I, I would like to push you. Who do you see on the um, Republican side that you think you might be able to work with on some of these issues? Well, uh, believe it or not, you, you, there's a guy named, I mentioned Jim Inhofe, mm -hmm. Oklahoma. He used to be the mayor of Tulsa. Mm -hmm. They have a big port there. Mm -hmm. And uh, He's an unlikely guy that you think you could get to work with you on legislation to reduce diesel emissions, for example. Mm -hmm. He's my partner mm -hmm. on diesel emission wow. reduction. Before him, uh, George Vonovich of Ohio, former governor, former, yeah. se former senator. And um, the, uh, 
we have to work at building these relationships. We, we have a Bible study that meets every Thursday mm-hmm. uh, afternoon for about half an hour. Jim and have stu- stu- study. Mm-hmm. Cory Booker's there. Mm-hmm. Kirsten Gillibrand is there. Mm-hmm. Two or more liberal Democrats out mm-hmm. there. And Blanche Lincoln shows up every now and then from Arkansas. We've got Tim Scott from uh, um, South Carolina. John Thune mm-hmm. is one of the Republican leaders. And uh, the uh, what what we do is, uh, and and I try to do this, but what I try to do is working with the chaplain. We folk we talk about a lot of different things in our Bible study. But one of the things we focus on is this is our God has given us one planet, and it's like uh, for, for uh, President Macron of France likes to say, "There's no planet B. This is it, and we right. have to take care of it." And right now we have this huge threat from too much carbon in the air. Highest we've been measuring uh, carbon in the air. We can go back with ice, ice core samples that we have at Ohio State University at the Polar Research Center. We can go back and measure, tell you how, how much carbon was in the air 400,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right now it's like way, way more than ever, ever, ever. Yeah. So uh, we can do something about th- about that. And uh, uh, we can do it in a way that creates jobs. So what I'm trying to do is convince this president and this administration is uh, let's listen to the automakers who say we want to we're going to move to electric powered vehicles big time. We're going to move to fuel cell powered vehicles uh, big time using mm-hmm. hydrogen and fuel cells. Their only waste product is, is H2O. Mm-hmm. And the auto company says we can do that. We can make money. We can create less of a threat to our climate, to our atmosphere, and to global warming. We ought to do that. We ought to do that. And in the end of the day, when uh, when people fit 100 years from now are passing water bills, we'll still have beaches. Mm-hmm. And it won't be say, oh, it won't be like a history lesson. Remember, I remember when they used to have beaches in this country. Yeah. Uh, we'll still have them. Well, I'm 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 confident with uh, with you as part of the helm, part of our leadership. That'll that'll be the case. Um, and we have to wrap up. I wanted to uh, do one final question, maybe the toughest question I've asked all day. Uh, you mentioned a lot of beaches that you've been to that you spent time on. What is your single favorite beach in the United States? You know, uh, outside of Delaware. Let's yeah, go outside of Delaware. Outside of Delaware. I, I mentioned my parents lived in uh, Clearwater, Largo, mm-hmm. and Indian Rocks Beach. It's a, place, a beach called Indian Rocks Beach. Okay. It's not a fancy beach or anything, but just for sentimental reasons. Uh, uh, just great memories. They're taking our boys there when they were young and uh-huh. being there with my mom and dad. Uh, just, and I just love the name Indian Rocks Beach. Lovely. Yeah. Well, Senator Carper, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you for all your work on, on WERDA and climate and being a coastal champion. That's my pleasure. And thus, we wrap up our first episode of The Capitol Beach. I hope you have all enjoyed this uh, podcast. Uh, I really had a good time speaking with the senator. Um, Clearly a uh, raconteur and a great storyteller as well as a great policymaker. Um, uh, Charming and debonair. uh, Really appreciate him joining. I also wanted to in particular thank uh, his two communication staffers, Kelly and Christine, who helped facilitate this. The senator's time is very, very busy and he covers a lot of issues. Um, After the interview, he was running out to go address issues surrounding the post office and uh, make sure the post office stays fiscally solvent. Um, So really appreciate Kelly and Christine helping uh, make the time for the senator to come in and speak with me. Um, Also wanted to thank, uh, he was thanked in our interview, but thank John Kane. If you hadn't picked up on it, John Kane was actually in the room with the senator as we were having our conversation. And uh, to his tremendous credit as a staffer, he was frantically scribbling notes to the senator um, with stats and numbers and info. Um, And then to 
the senator's credit, he consummately ignored each and every one of those notes. Um, I think that really speaks to having a good staffer who wants to keep you prepared and, and a good policymaker who knows what to talk about off the top of his head. So, um, again, thank you to the Senator uh, Carper. Thank you to his staffers. Um, and thank you guys to listening. Uh, in future episodes, we will be dealing with more issues surrounding coastal policy. Again, hope to get some appropriations discussions, but also look to uh, look to deal with some other federal laws that, uh, that address the coast. Um, I think in the next month or so, we will be coming out with an episode where I'll be talking to some of the staff at Coastal States Organization, who represent the uh, 37, I believe, state and territorial governors, um, and talk about a little bit about what they do, about how ASBPA and CSO work together, and then uh, dig into the Coastal Zone Management Act. So um, that'll be coming up soon, but we have some other episodes planned in the coming months, which I think will be really good. Uh, hope you enjoyed listening and, and continue to listen to the American Shoreline Podcast Network to learn more about the coast. Thanks so much, guys. Take care.